our end game, my kind of macro plan for this whole thing mm. is to become the world's largest, like the, the, the biggest global employer of individuals with disabilities. And I think that if that's the, the kind of the macro thesis on, on the company, reverse engineering from there is going to be easy because the intent behind becoming the biggest employer of people with disabilities, I think is a, is a really important goal to have. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 216 of Impact Boom. My name is Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiative and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Chris McDonald. Chris completed an undergraduate degree in primary education and special education at the University of Technology, Sydney in 2004. He also completed an honours thesis focusing on the implementation of communication systems for adults with developmental disabilities at a group home that he was working in. While studying, he also worked as a carer in a residential setting run by the Australian Quadriplegic Association. He was selected as a targeted graduate from university and commenced work at a school for children with developmental disabilities and autism in Sydney. In 2007, he was promoted to assistant principal at a school for children with emotional disturbance and behavioural issues. In 2012, he co-launched a cross-platform app for children with autism called Pixie. In 2013, he was the co-creator and a finalist in the Australasian Oz App competition in Perth with an app for individuals with dementia, which took out the People's Choice Award. After 20 years in the disability and education space, he is now launching a physical product called PixiePal. This is a non-electronic speech therapy device for individuals with complex communication needs. In parallel to the product launch is a social justice campaign, the likes of which have never been attempted. On today's podcast, we'll discuss the passion propelling PixiePal's launch, barriers faced by enterprises to successfully address social injustices, and the PixiePal's low-cost and high-impact design, and the transition from education to social enterprise management. Chris, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries. Could you please, to begin, share a bit about your background and what led to your passion in social enterprise? Absolutely. To be honest, a few years ago, I'd never actually heard of the term social enterprise. I started this whole thing because I had an idea that solved big, a big issue for people with communication disorders. And it was the initial passion that kind of led into a feeling of responsibility to get it to the market and to build this global team that I'm putting together to start making the biggest impact possible. Uh, developing this device has taken years and a lot of testing and a lot of prototypes. It's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. And We've gotten it to a stage now where we're launching on Start Something Good and we're just super pumped about it. I've always had a passion for supporting people. It's a kind of, I guess, a personality trait that was intertwined with some circumstances during childhood. And I believe that all humans 
that as a collective, individually, but as a collective especially, that we're capable of, of greatness. I think that working in this space, if, if we have an idea that can help people, an idea like I've had, I, I think that there's a degree of obligation to try and make that happen so that everyone can benefit from it. So the device is a communication device. And I mean, at its very basic kind of form, communication is a human right and access to communication is a human right. So it shouldn't be dependent on things like finances or geography. And our company, Pixipow, aims to level this playing field out at, at, at a scale that's never been tried before. And the democratization of communication is our primary goal. Well, that's a fantastic kind of segue into our next question. And as the founder of the Pixie Pal, it would be amazing if you could give us a summary of the product and the approach you've taken to address these global communication injustices that you're speaking about. Absolutely. So the, the device is a, it's essentially a plastic housing for visual for, pa- for paper visual supports. And using visual supports is, a, is, is best practice, essentially, with people with complex communication needs. So the PixiePal is three pages. It's made of plastic. It's very much like a book. It's about the size of an iPad. And into the PixiePal, you can insert any paper-based visuals you like. So it's really dependent on who's using it. There might be photographs inside it or images printed screenshots from different apps and things like that. So you can pretty much put anything you want into the Pixie Pal as long as it's paper-based because people around the world use a lot of variations of, of visual supports. The device improves access to communication and it was made with this idea in mind that it would serve the same function and increase someone's ability to communicate whether or not they were living in Manhattan or whether they were living in Nairobi or whether they were in a school or whether they were in a hospital. It's just cross settings, cross ages and cross abilities. It's innovative in that way because there's never actually been a low tech system that's been brought to market that serves every single setting and individual. So I guess we're excited about the innovation there. Our social just, so we're launching the physical product, which, which is the Pixie Power, but we're also launching and start something good, the social justice initiative. And this is in response to the fact that there's millions of people around the world who don't have access, who have complex communication needs through a whole range of reasons, whether it's autism or dementia, or they've been in some form of accident um, that's taken away their ability to, to, to use speech. But there's millions of these people around the world that they don't have access to speech therapists or speech therapy resources. And that requires a solution. And any Pixipal is that solution. So through our social justice campaign, we aim to, it's, it's essentially just a system of, well, every Pixipal that we sell, we're going to be giving one to one of our trusted partners. And we've got some fantastic people on board. The first partner that we had was the OIC Cambodia, which was founded by uh, Wei Yo, who actually won the Australian Social Entrepreneur of the Year last year in Australia. In his words, he, he basically thinks that communication is one of the most overlooked rights in today's world. So we've partnered with them as we have with several other organisations around the world. And that list continues to grow just because there is this, this huge need for meeting people's requirements with communication. Well, that buy one, give one model absolutely fits in the social enterprise landscape. And looking to the future as well, I would love to ask you, do you see any long-term opportunities? And not only for Pixie Pal and obviously your social justice campaign starts on good, but even other emerging social enterprise ventures? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're, we're hitting the space with the release of the, of, of the physical product being the Pixie Pal first. That's how we're entering the space. But We've also got in, in the background brewing a, a very 
hard and important online educational element that's particularly targeted towards children and like childhood development. And we're going to be going cross language and things like that. So I think that as far as social enterprises in general goes, I think as long as there's local solutions are very good, but I think something like this, that's where we're dealing with a, with, with a human right of communication. I think that the, the scope for the impact that can be had with physical resources and with online support is, is immense. And our end game, my kind of macro plan for this whole thing, Mm. is to become the world's largest, like the, the, the biggest global employer of individuals with disabilities. And I think that if that's the, the kind of the macro thesis on, on the company, reverse engineering from there is going to be easy because the intent behind becoming the biggest employer of people with disabilities, I think, is a, is a really important goal to have. And I think that it can really kind of set the, the benchmark for what's possible with social enterprise. Well, absolutely. That's an incredible insight into basically the progression and the future of this social justice campaign that you're pursuing. I think also a very important thing that we should address as well is that you're actually a first-time entrepreneur for this project and you've moved out of education. So obviously you were in the special needs education industry. And I think it would be amazing to ask you, what are some challenges and barriers which you've experienced in this transition? Absolutely. So I have, I have always been a little bit entrepreneurial, even as a little one. I was always kind of mowing people's lawns and kind of hustling in that respect. And, and I think the only reason I, I learned how to do algebra was so I could have um, parents <laughs> teach their kids how to do algebra. I don't think there was any real inherent enjoyment of algebra. But this is definitely my, my first crack at kind of starting a global company. Now, I have, as you say, I've been working in, in education for in, in the disability space for 20 years. And so I kind, of, I kind of know who I'm working for. I feel like I'm working for that space and I, and I know what is required to succeed in that space. My main challenge has been around funding and I've kind of explored lots of different avenues with that as, as, I'm, as most people who are trying to get a, a startup off the ground. And I've eventually just kind of settled in a space where I just do it all myself because I, I felt that I wanted to be in control of it in the, in the early stages. Mm. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, f funding is a big thing. Time is a big thing. And also sanity is a big thing. It's not a particularly easy thing um, to work a full-time job and, and make all of this stuff happen. But having said all of that, I, I think that, that when it comes to, to opportunities and sorry, when it comes to, to barriers that I think most of the time barriers and obstacles are very much opportunities and you need to, you need to kind of pay attention to whatever it is that you think is holding you up. And sometimes it's actually a blessing when you look back on it an hour or a week later that you, you kind of, you, th you thank that obstacle because it, it made you slow down and it made you kind of reinvent what it was that you were doing at the time. I, I, think, that, I think that barriers are actually a good thing. Absolutely. I think that having that ability to reflect on those barriers is so important for success, especially in this field of social enterprise. And I think you would agree there. And, and you're also learning a lot. You know, there's, lot, there's lots of hats to wear when you're trying to do it. Everything from like patenting to coming up with packaging and drop shipping and crowdfunding, and accounting, and marketing and creative. Like there's, there's a lot of hats to, to wear and to kind of not necessarily master, but you've got to kind of touch base with everything and make sure that you're, you're kind of across it all. Absolutely. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently that are creating positive social change? I, th I think that I've got to mention our partners here because by, by starting this, they actually fueled it from the beginning, especially I mean, a big shout out to the OIC Cambodia 
founded by Wayo. They're amazing because of just the, I guess, the scale of the issue that they tackled in Cambodia, where there was no speech therapy and a population who, who very much needed that input. And also Umbo, which was, is also Wayo is a founder of, and they're just completely ahead of the curve when it comes to things like telehealth and have really kind of set, the, set, set a new precedent for being ahead of the game when it came to COVID and things like that. They're already rolling out telehealth. So OOC Cambodia and Umbo. Global Symbols is a, a thing that is being put together by a guy called David Baines and EA Drafen. Definitely worth checking out. And they've been a supporter from us from the beginning. And they're just an open source image platform. So it's very international in nature. The NICA project based out of California, they're across Thai world from Africa to Asia to South America, basically upcycling old technology and giving that to people with communication disorders. The global autism project is amazing because they're just everywhere doing everything. And the last one I'll mention is Pencils of Promise. They've been around for a while based out of New York and they've just got this amazing model that I very much look up to and hope one day to sort of I'd love to collaborate with them when we get a little bit bigger. There's just an enormous amount of integrity in that organisation. I think that they probably are a little bit underrated and not spoken about enough of just what they're doing around the world. Well, those are some fantastic initiatives you mentioned there. And for all the listeners, there will be some links in the article and you'll be able to check all of those out afterwards. To finish off, I would love to ask, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Yeah, okay, so... I'm loving audiobooks. I consume so much, so many podcasts, but I, I'm easily addicted to listening to audiobooks. And one that, actually, a book that I have a physical copy of that I was given to many years ago by a colleague is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's, it's just a fantastic read. I think, I, I really do think everyone should kind of sink their teeth into that. And kind of flowing on the kind of the whole stoicism theme, the, a book by Ron, Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way is a really, really fantastic book. I highly recommend that if definitely if you're trying to get into this space or, you know, you've, you've got a startup in mind. And a book, obviously, I love children's books. I've worked in private education for a long time and plus I've got two little ones. The book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Now, I reckon I've read that book 500 times. And just the other day, it was weird. I was saying to my wife that I'd never really thought about the meaning of that book. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that book, but it goes, it's, it's very entrepreneurial, I think. And maybe I'm just way too much into it because I'm sleep deprived. But as the lead up, I feel like it's, it's the story of a startup and every single obstacle they come to, like they come to mud and they come to long grass and they come to snowstorms and all of these things. And they can't, are you familiar with the book? I, I am. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to need your, your help on this because so I like the mud one the best. I think the mud's very symbolic of, of what being an entrepreneur is about. And you can't go, they get to the mud and they can't go over the mud and they can't go under the mud. What do they have to do? You have to go through it. They have to go through the mud and That's they it. have to go through everything. And then they get to the end, they get to the end and they're tiptoeing, tiptoeing and it's all coming to this climax and this bear is there that kind of they were looking for in the first place. So I'm not really quite sure why they get so surprised that it's there. But the bear doesn't exactly turn out to be what they think it's going to be. And then it chases them back to the house. So it's, I'm, I've, even, I've even drawn a parallel to like working from home. I know that's really obscure, but I think that that book, there's a, there's a message in that book that I think that we really, it's not so much just for kids. I think that we can all take a little bit out of that. And I'd never, and I, like I said, I've read it so many times, but I've never really thought about 
what it was, what the message was. Well, Chris, books are meant to be read. They're meant to be interpreted. And those are some fantastic interpretations there. And once again, with these three books, we'll be sticking some links in the article below so the viewers can check them out. And I definitely think I'm going to have to go check that book out again. And it was fantastic to hear from you, Chris. I'm looking forward to hearing about the future ventures that come from Pixie Powell and Start Some Good. They will also be linked below in the article. It was fantastic to have you here. Thank you so much, Cindy. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for letting me share the project. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.